to lead us in worship today. We're so blessed to have them. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious God, as we open your word together, we pray that you would open our eyes and our ears to hear a word from you that will encourage us, that will comfort our hearts, and that will show us what it means to live generous lives. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, do you remember a few years back when it seemed that the pay it forward movement was happening everywhere you went? Sometimes you'd hear stories on the news or on the radio about these experiences of somebody showing up at a restaurant or a coffee um, shop and you know, just this le length of cars coming through the drive-thru where people were paying for one another's orders. Well, I remember a few years ago when this happened to me for the very first time. I am kind of one of those people that when I wake up in the morning, coffee is a necessity, and I woke up to see that our coffee supply was completely out. So I, even though I was running late to wherever I was going, I don't remember, I decided to go through the um, Starbucks drive through line. Of course, there's a long line of cars, and so I'm a little bit agitated as I'm getting to the front, and when I get to the place to order my drink, the barista says those words that you're not expecting, but she says, the person in front of you has paid for your drink. Would you like to pay it forward to the person behind you? And I immediately exclaimed, yes, of course, before I considered that, you know, perhaps that person could have ordered 16 Venti lattes with extra syrup, but thankfully their order was about the same as mine, and I went on my day. But I have to tell you that one simple moment of generosity was so exciting. <laughs> it's one of those moments where I can honestly say I experienced the joy of generosity both in receiving and in giving. It was almost an instinct to want to give to, after somebody had given me even just a simple gift. Well, today we're going to continue in our sermon series that we're calling Practicing Generosity. And we're using that word practicing because generosity is not always something that comes naturally to us. We have to practice it, don't we? If, you're, if there's any question of whether this is natural, has anyone been around a toddler lately? Who teaches toddlers to say mine and grab a toy out of someone else's hands? No one. It is natural. It seems like we come out of the womb wanting to hold on to what belongs to us. I'll never forget my embarrassment when my daughter Ellie was little and we were at a play date and she growled at another child who tried to come and take one of her toys. Good news for some of you in the thick of it. Even if your child, children start out growling, they can still grow up to be kind um, human beings. So there is some hope. But it should be no surprise for us that even as adults, there's often this internal struggle within us where we feel like, what is mine? I want to hold on to it. I might need to protect it a little bit because if I don't, there might not be enough for me. Well, Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthian church, he talks about the grace of giving. He actually tells them to excel in the grace of giving. And so before I read our scripture passage for this morning, let me explain a little bit about what was happening in Corinth at the time. You may know that the Apostle Paul went on what were called his missionary journeys. He traveled around, and he would start in one place and preach the gospel. People would come to know the Lord, and they would start these church communities. He would train up leaders. He would help solve some problems, help them get started. And then he would leave, and he'd go off to another city and do the same thing. And he would correspond with them with letters, and he would send a messenger to deliver these letters. Well, the last time Paul had been in Corinth, he had talked to them about the need of the churches in Jerusalem. These churches were struggling financially, and so he asked them to make a pledge to help them. 
and to give them a gift. And so Paul is now writing to them saying, you know, remember that pledge that you made last time I was there? I'm going to be back, and I want you to be ready to, to, to fulfill the promises that you have made, and I hope that you will do this with the right heart. And so this is where our passage begins. So listen now for God's word for us. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, Paul is teaching this Corinthian church a theology of generosity. He's encouraging them to give, to fulfill this pledge that they've made, and to help others in need. But he is also teaching them that the action of giving is connected to receiving God's grace. No one wants to be stingy or to be the Grinch whose heart is two sizes too small, do they? We all, I think we all want to be generous, giving people. And being generous, giving people, includes having the right attitude when we give. Paul says that God loves a cheerful giver, that we shouldn't be giving reluctantly or under compulsion. But sometimes it's hard not to just do the right thing, but to do it with that right spirit. So how do we get there from where we're able to give out of this cheerful spirit that Paul is encouraging us to have. Well, I reflected on my own pay-it-forward experience that struck me as one of those few times in life where it just I genuinely felt excited to give. Why was that? As I reflected on it, it's because I just received a gift, and it made me want to give that gift to somebody else. And so Paul is reminding us through this passage that giving, it's a grace that starts with receiving receiving from the Lord, remembering what he's given us, what God has done for us. And chances are, if you're having a hard time being generous, you probably need to reflect more on all that you have received from the Lord. When we hold on tightly to things that we have, whether this is our money, our time, our resources, we tend to have this tendency to believe that it's all up to us. We have to earn our money, protect our time, conserve our resources, because we're the ones in control of it all. And if we don't manage it, protect it, hold on to it, it might run out, or we might be in short supply. This is an example of what we sometimes call the scarcity mindset, that there might not be enough. An abundance mindset, or what I'm going to call today a grace mindset, is the opposite. It recognizes that in God's economy, there is enough for all of us, and that God has promised to supply our needs. Everything that we have, our time, our talents, our treasures, our resources, are a gift from the Lord. 
You might have earned your money or your titles, but even your ability to do so is a gift of God's grace. And generous people, they recognize they aren't in short supply because they're connected to a limitless source of grace. Paul starts this passage by telling us that whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly, and those who sow generously will reap generously. Sometimes it sounds a little bit formulaic at first. But if you read on, Paul is emphasizing that grace is the true formula behind it all. He reminds us that the seed that we're sowing and that we're told to scatter generously, it's been supplied to us. It's like that pay-it-forward experience. It can be fun to give away something when it's already been paid for. Some of you may remember um, a few years ago we did a little experiment here in church. How many of you were here for the services that we called the bags of gold? Does anyone remember this? Quite a few here. So in this service, for those of you who weren't here, Drew preached on the parable of the talents and this the story of where these different servants were entrusted different amounts of money. And then they invested it. Some were praised for investing it the way that the master had told them to, and others were reprimanded for not using that. But we asked people to come forward, and they were each given an envelope with about $50 in it. And the only stipulations were to go out, use it to be generous, or to some way invest in God's kingdom work in the world. And it was such an encouraging time in our community to hear the stories that were shared with how people use that money. You may remember some of them. Even our kids participated in this. It was so sweet to see their hearts. We had some families that made um, bags for the homeless with toiletries and snacks that then they had in their cars that they would hand out to people. We had kids who had lemonade stands that actually multiplied the dollars that they had. And even my own children were able to sponsor a child in Haiti for a year out of that $50 that they started with. We had another family that just decided to make a ton of cookies and give them out to everybody in their neighborhood. We had families that uh, bought, went to the store and bought canned goods and then went, then went to the CAC and donated them. I could go on and on. But this, from the stories that were shared, there was one common thread. Every time people told us about what they did, they had big smiles on their face. There was tangible joy in the experience of giving. It sure is fun to give away someone else's money, right? But isn't that the point? Our resources were never ours to begin with. They've been entrusted to us by God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. The God who's able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Paul says that you will be enriched in every way, not so that you can amass more for yourself, but so that you can be generous on every occasion. God's grace will continue to pour into your life, enabling you to be generous. We're not asked to manufacture generosity, and it's not all up to us as much as we feel like it is. There's a God who promises to enrich our lives, to fill us with his spirit, to fill our tank when we feel depleted, and to be that source of all that we need. So I think the question for us is, are we connected to that source? And when we recognize that we're giving out of that connection, out of receiving what the Lord has supplied to us and promises to continually supply, we can give out of a more cheerful spirit. 
but this takes some letting go, loosening our grip, and some practice. I just want to say a quick note to make sure that everyone understands that in no way am I trying to preach a prosperity gospel, that if you give everything away, you're going to be rich. Give all your money, God's going to refill that bank account. <laughs> that is not what Paul is saying here. It doesn't mean that if you're generous that you won't ever have to worry about your finances or managing your time well. But what it does mean is that when you start to assume this grace mindset that it's not all up to you, and that God is the one who supplies you with what you need so that you can be generous. You don't have to feel so burdened by giving. You may even start to recognize that sometimes living with less so that you can bless others in Jesus' name is a better way to live than simply living to accumulate more for yourself. This grace mindset helps us recognize that we're made in the image of a generous God who's blessed us to be a blessing to those around us with everything we've been given, with our words, with our time, with our abilities, and all of our resources. So how do we get started? How do we learn to embrace this mindset and become more grace-filled, cheerful givers? Well, I think some of this comes from simply remembering how much we've received. I love Psalm 103, which says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We need to recall those moments of grace and gratitude. What have you received? What has God done for you? What has God given you? Spend some time reflecting on those things. Maybe write them down. Share them with somebody else. November might be one of my favorite months of the year because the reminders to be grateful are all around us. Something that our family practiced, we started this when my kids were little, is we, on, during the month of November, we have a gratitude tree. Sometimes I would make this on a poster board. A lot of times I'll just go out in the yard and get a big branch. And then I order little leaves from Amazon with ribbons because no one's got time to cut out paper leaves. But we put these leaves in the middle of the table at dinner time, and then we all write down something that we're grateful for, and we hang it on the tree. Try to do it throughout the month of November. And what I love about this exercise is kids as small as three years old can do this. They may not be able to write it down. You can write it for them. But you can start by telling them, what do you want to say thank you to God for? Right? And, just, and you can model what that looks like. And what I love about having the whole family participate is sometimes we learn so much from our children about what they're grateful for. And it reminds us how much the Lord has done for us. Receiving communion, a sacrament that we practice every Sunday, is another way to rehearse gratitude, to embrace this grace mindset, to truly reflect on what the Lord has done for us. I encourage you, even today, don't go through the motions. Use this as a moment to receive, to reflect on the gift of grace, to reflect on the cross as perhaps the greatest expression of love you'll ever receive. This practice of generosity starts by reflecting on and recalling to mind moments of grace and gratitude so they begin to sink into your hearts and your minds and change us. It helps us to begin to loosen our grip and be more open-handed. Well, I don't know about you, but this past week has been a hard week, been filled with a lot of loss. In addition to all that's going on in our world, the things that we're seeing on the news, for a lot of us here in this room, I know, have experienced a personal loss of a friend who was close to a lot of people here. 
He was a former pastor at the church that I used to work at and where I used to serve. And he died in his sleep at age 44, leaving behind a wife and three little kids. It's hard to even fathom this kind of loss. But Brian, he was one of the best bosses I've ever had. And honestly, I can say he's really the one that kind of launched me into my pastoral ministry. I worked alongside him in young adult ministry, and I was used to um, leading Bible studies for 20-somethings, planning events for them. But when Brian was promoted to becoming the teaching pastor at the church, um, we, they started a secondary service. There's this contemporary service, and he was kind of in charge of it. So Joe and I got to be a part of his leadership team and help plan for those services. It was a really sweet season of ministry. But when I think about Brian's life, truly one of the greatest qualities that touched me and so many others was his spirit of generosity. He had a big heart. He truly cared about people, and he made you feel cared for in every interaction. He had one of those warm, infectious personalities, great sense of humor, was generous with his words, always encouraging and building other people up. He'd call out the good things he saw in others a job well done, or a gift he had. He was generous with his time. He made himself available to meet with staff. Sometimes he'd just stop by your desk to just say something funny that would make you laugh. He and his wife, Allie, showed up for others, and he showed up for me. My dad died on Christmas Day one year, and he and Allie came to my house to hug me and cry with me on Christmas Day. He was a young and incredibly gifted leader. Brian was generous to share his platform, and he had zero ego, and he had a lot of reasons to have a big ego with how talented he was. He'd just been given a bigger platform with weekly opportunities to lead and preach at a large church with a large audience. And instead of taking that all for himself, he immediately wanted to see how he could share that with others, invite others to participate, to lead alongside him. At that point in my life, I was very content with the little bubble of ministry I was doing. I had never dreamed of preaching. In fact, the idea of preaching was completely terrifying to me. And Brian was the one to say, you need to preach. He then went to the senior pastor of that church and said, Miriam needs an opportunity. And after I had that one opportunity, even though it still terrified me, he went back and said, she needs some more. By sharing the pulpit with Joe and me and others, it ultimately meant that Brian had less opportunities to use the stellar gifts that he'd been given. But he cared more about how he could help others, encourage others, and support them than he did about building a bigger platform for himself. The kind of generosity of heart that Brian exemplified only comes from someone who chooses a grace mindset. Someone who believes that there is enough for all of us in God's ocean of grace. Brian modeled that being generous with what you've been given is a better way to live than amassing more for yourself, whether that's more stuff, more accolades, more praise, more ego, whatever it is. And this week has shown me, when all is said and done, that living a generous life, it's one that leaves a mark. It leaves a mark in this world, and it leaves a mark in people's hearts. Why? Because generous people remind us of the love of our generous God. Our God who loved the world so much that he gave. He gave his one and only son for you and for me, so we can experience that love and grace 
that's truly enough for all of us. Can you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for the people in our lives who show us the generous love of God. Lord, I pray you'll bless and um, keep all those who are grieving the loss of Brian, Lord. And I pray that you'll use his life and his example, Lord, to show us more of how we can truly bless people in this world around us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.